You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Wonderful having you here with us. This is a great, great church. Welcome. Yeah, I'm uh, going to be speaking on Psalms. This is our week two. We started a series last week called Creator Who Deserves Praise. This week I'm going to do Teacher Who Deserves Our Obedience. If you've got a Bible, we're going to jump straight in. Psalm 25. I'm going to read the whole psalm to you. Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Saviour. And my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who, then, is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have spoken to us so powerfully this morning. Lord, we come and worship you, and we feel undone in your presence. I thank you that this is your living word. We come excited week by week to say, God, speak to us through your word. We want to hear from you this morning. I pray for every heart here right now that you would speak to them. None of us would go away thinking, oh, what was that about? I pray each of us would take something away that would impact us for this week. Amen. So I want to talk a little bit about this psalm. David, the king of Israel, has written this one. David was used to be a shepherd boy. That meant he was on his own looking after sheep. But actually now he rules the whole nation. I don't know about you, I think, golly, power could easily have gone to his head. He could have easily thought, you know, I am the big boy now. 
You know what I'm saying? When, when he would have been a shepherd, he would have been out there literally on his own. He was the youngest we know. He could have felt overlooked. His own father forgot him when they had a special guest one time. But now he's the king of Israel. You know, now everybody would want to be around him. And yet what I want to pull out of this is that although David was on this great path, the right road is not an easy one to walk. We know from Psalm 1 that you can choose which road you want to take in life, and you've got to choose which one you're taking. David, we know, had chosen to take the right road, but actually what he's saying here is it's not easy. In verse 4 and 5, he says, show me your way, teach me your path, guide me, it says, teach me. Sometimes um, I read a different translation just to try and bring the words alive. I've discovered one that I've never read before called the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation. It said this, Lord, direct me through my journey so I can experience your plans in my life. Reveal the life paths that are pleasing to you. Escort me along the way. Take me by the hand and teach me. For you are the God of my increasing salvation. I have wrapped my heart into yours. I just find that 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 brings this alive, this, this whole heart of David that I want to challenge us with today. Well, what did I say about David? I think he is persistent. He keeps going despite difficulty. He's penitent. Yeah, I'm trying to get them all sounding roughly the same. He's sorry for things that he's done wrong. He's obedient. When God speaks to him, he wants to do what God says, and he is reverent. He has a deep respect for God. Now, I would say this is so countercultural for us. And I'm aware that when we look at uh, Psalm 25, it is so different. We live in a society, don't we, where, where we applaud those who do it their own way. You know, it's almost, it's not uncommon now to go to a funeral and and, and people to have Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. It's not uncommon, and some of you may have done this ten times today, to take a selfie, because actually it's all about me. It's not uncommon now even for our knowledge to be based around ourselves. Wikipedia is now 15 years old, and Wikipedia is what we think is right It's getting us involved. But this is so different to David. David wasn't saying, oh, it's about me or what do I think is right. He's saying, it's about you, God, and what will you teach me? C.H. Spurgeon, he was a Baptist preacher in London. It's slightly old-fashioned, but I thought it was quite interesting. He said, the unsanctified nature clamors for their own way, but a gracious spirit cries out, not my will, but thine be done. It's not about me, it's about you. And and basically, that's the one picture that I want us to look at, which I'm going to start in this psalm, but I'm going to try and cover the entire Bible. I believe that we see the picture of God as a teacher. A teacher. Now, there are some pictures in the Bible of God that we can find really challenging. For example, the Bible describes God as a father. Well, if you've not had a father that you've physically known, or if your father's not been good, that can be quite difficult. And even when you pray, Father in heaven, you think, golly, that's hard. For some, if you're anything like me, and I've got to be careful because we've got many teachers in the room, even the word teacher is not a great concept. 
When I was at primary school, I was the second worst pupil the school's ever had. I know that because I went back to do some work experience and the headmaster told me that. I said, well, who was the worst? And he said, your best mate. I felt a little bit cheated that he you know, got ahead of me. His name was David Shade. So you can understand that if I was the, the worst pupil, that I didn't have a great relationship with teachers. You wouldn't get away with it now, but I was about seven years old, and, and my parents went to a parents' evening, and the teacher said, I stand him in the corner with his hands on his head, and he still makes the class laugh. I don't know what to do. To which my mother replied, hit him. We, we wouldn't do that now. So you can understand, I didn't quite get understood by teachers, and they didn't understand me. So when I suddenly think, oh, God is a teacher, to me, I think he's going to stand me in the corner. I'm going to put my hands on my head, and if I try and make everyone laugh, he might hit me. So what does it genuinely mean when it talks about God as a teacher? Do we, you know, how often do we think about this? Well, this, I think, is right throughout the Bible. I'm going to go very quickly. Psalm 27, verse 11. David, he's praying to God despite tough opposition. He says, God, teach me your ways. So actually, when he was approaching God, he said, God, you're a teacher. I want you to show me the way to go. We know from Psalm 90, he says, teach me to number our days aright. This was a psalm expressing help from God for folk living in a harsh life, fearing wrath and death. And what they say, they say, God, help me to get my days right. We know that actually if you jump to Psalm 94 and verse 12, it says, blessed is the man you teach from your law. This was an appeal to the Lord as judge of the earth to redress all wrongs. And it's saying, but actually, if you were to teach me from the word, I would be blessed. In Psalm 119, I was going to preach from Psalm 119 this morning because it is loads about teaching. It is the longest psalm in the Bible. Verse 12, it says, praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. There was a devotion to God. In Psalm 119, verse 66, it says, Teach me knowledge and good judgment. William Wilberforce, who was involved in repealing slavery, used to recite the whole of Psalm 119 in his one-mile walk from home to work every day. And he used to say, God, I need you to teach me today. And he used to quote the whole of Psalm 119. I think, God, have I got that heart that says, God, teach me. God, teach me. Psalm 143 says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. This is a a prayer for deliverance from the enemies, for divine leading, saying, God, teach me. Okay, I know this sounds really basic. What does teach mean? Teach means to impart knowledge or instruct someone in how to do something. The danger is, if we're really honest, is that we confuse teach and coach. You see, coach means you've got the good inside of you and I'm just going to try and bring it out. How does that feel? Yeah, oh, you, you're really special. How could I get you to flourish? Teach means I've got something that I'm going to instruct you. If I had an hour with Messi, he was voted Football of the Year last year. Yet I wouldn't say to him, do you want to see my keepy-uppies? I would say, tell me everything you've got. Now, some of you are not into football at all. So I might say, I don't know, if you were given two hours in a kitchen with Heston Blumenthal, you know what I'm saying? Would you say to him, hey, do you want to see what sausage casserole I can make? Or would you say, no, no, come on, show me the food. But how would you do that? Give me some inside tips. 
You know what I'm saying? If you were to have a whole day with, with Ed Sheeran, you know, would you say, hey, do you want to hear my three chords? Or you would just say, instruct me, how do you do this? You see, if we genuinely around these people, we'd be so inspired, we'd say, I want to be taught. I used to be a primary school teacher. Yeah, it was revenge for my bad experience in the past. And I worked in a school that, that was really very, very focused. They do the 11 plus there. And so my biggest problem was the kids asked for so much homework that I just didn't want to keep marking it. They said, oh, sir, can we have more homework? I said, oh, golly, I've got to mark it. So I said to them, I said, right, your homework tonight is I want you all to watch telly for an hour. And to which the parents came back to me and said, we know we're going to watch telly. What, what are we watching for? <laughs> What's the character, the plot, the storyline? I said, you're just watching so I don't have to mark it. You know what I'm saying? That, that was my sort of approach. You see, but as a kid, what they wanted to do is they, they wanted to get everything they could from teacher. What sir say? How do we approach God? I honestly believe that God is our teacher. If you think about the whole of the Old Testament, you think even, even right in the beginning, I believe in the Garden of Eden. What did God say? This is how you're to behave. You can do anything you like, but don't do this. He was revealing himself to them. He was teaching them. And when they ignored his teaching, it all went wrong. I, I remember, you know, there's no feeling, is there, like school? I'm, I guess I'm trying to think all about that. Being when I was a pupil, the breakup for six weeks was just incredible, wasn't it? I remember at secondary school, it's terrible, the confession's coming out now. We had an end-of-year assembly. And uh, the, we had a sports hall, and we were all sat there. And I, I don't know why. I just thought it'd be funny to knock everybody's knees from behind and just to see how many I could get to fall over in one hymn. Well, obviously, teachers don't like that, and I got sent to the head on the last day. You know what I'm saying? Would, shall I take this boy away and cane him? I think, oh, I said, yeah. Fortunately, I got away without. The reality was I was so pumped up because it was the summer holiday. I thought, what can I do? I think that was true for the people of God. They'd been slaves for 400 years, and God says it's time to get out. And so what does he do? He takes them to a mountain and says, actually, before you just go wild, I'd like to tell you how's best to live. I want to tell you how's best to live with me, and I want to tell you how's best to live with each other. We call them the commandments. You see, what God said is, I want to reveal something of myself to you. You think about it. When my brother went to university... Um, and my brother wasn't following God at this time, they worked out which religion to tell the university they were. And they decided they were going to tell the university they were Jewish because they reckon there was more Jewish holidays than anywhere else. You see, if you read in the Old Testament, there's loads of festivals. Yom Kippur, New Year, Hanukkah. Why did they have so many festivals? Because actually what God said is, look, when you do this and your kids ask, you can tell them about me. And so what he wanted is he wanted the parents and he wanted the community to establish festivals so that actually they reflected something of God to the next generation. I'm going to teach you about this great teacher. I'm going to teach you about what he has taught us in the past. And so God was almost saying that I want you as a community to be like me, to be this. Everywhere I I think through the Bible and... uh, I've got half an hour. I'm going to stick to it this morning, so I'm going quick. 
But everywhere we find out is God is just incredible, all-knowing. Isaiah, he was a prophet. Some would say, well, he definitely wrote the biggest prophecy book in the Old Testament. He went to Judah. There was Jerusalem there. He he prophesied to them for 40 years. The first half of it was doom and gloom. The second half of it was a bit more hope and glory. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, he says this, Who did the Lord consult as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it? that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding. Basically, he was saying that God knows everything. God knows everything. We can teach him nothing, but he could teach us. You think about Job. Job was this guy that really suffered in the Old Testament. But I mean, the Bible tells us that he was a good man. He was a righteous man. And yet suddenly it all gets taken away from him. And he goes through terrible times. What does Job say in 21 verse 22? Can anyone teach knowledge to God? No! Because God knows everything. That's the teacher we come before. So the Bible is saying, hey, hey, God reveals himself as a teacher. And they were looking up and saying, God, you're an incredible teacher. Nobody has knowledge like you. Even the prophet Hosea. Hosea was faithful to his wife. They had three children despite her wandering off. And, and, and this whole sort of role of a parent, he prophesies, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. This is God. It's almost like I'm, I'm a parent that teaches. Isn't that great having Richard and Kezia and Micah here? You know what I'm saying? And you think, well, as a parent, they're just going to teach that child, aren't they? You know, those folk at church, they look nice, keep away, they're weird. No, no, they're not going to teach them. They're going to teach them all good things, aren't they? You're going to teach them, you know, yeah, eat, eat your fruit and vegetables. Be careful when you cross the... Because as parents, we do that. And what Hosea is saying is God is that kind of parent. In Samuel, Samuel was the book where they were trying to establish the kingdom of God. And it's almost like they ended up having kings, they ended up having an army, they ended up fighting like other nations. And so how did they look at the great teacher? Well, in 2 Samuel 22, it says, He trains my hand for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. So what they were saying is, hey, whatever I'm doing in life, he is the one that teaches me. You think about it, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. We had it read on our wedding day. Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. The Bible says, why not? He is the great teacher. I mean, it's incredible really, isn't it? So if you are a teacher here this morning, it's almost like, well, you're following in his footsteps. You could say, well, you've spent a long time in the Old Testament. I wish I could go through the whole of the New Testament. I haven't got time for that. But everywhere you look, you look at the sense of a God who teaches. Jesus said, didn't he, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Why? John 14, 26. The counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Paul, writing to the church, he says, look, actually, this is a busy city. He's writing to the church in Thessalonica. He's writing to them and saying, look, people have reacted to his message. It's a young church. He wants to give them some help and some guidance. He says in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 9, Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God. So what this psalm is saying is, I'm trying, last week we thought about the God who created everything and it totally changed us. This week we're looking at the God who's the infinite teacher. 
the infinite teacher. And doesn't that all point to Jesus Christ, the God-man who revealed God to us? He gave so much of his time to teaching, moving from one place to the next, in the synagogue, parables, time with the disciples. They even said about him, didn't they, in Matthew 7. The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Okay, so how do I bring it to us this morning? Becoming a Christian is not us getting God. It is God getting us. Ah, that's quite different, isn't it? You see, suddenly we are caught up in God. Christianity is not self-help. I say it again. Christianity is not self-help. Well, if you go along to church and you hang out with these guys, they teach you how to serve, you get a better person. Oh, well, actually, if you go along and, and you learn to give some of your money, well, you can only give your money if you're budgeting throughout the week, so actually you become a better person. Christianity is not about self-help. Christianity is surely about us learning from him. He is our teacher. When we pray, it's not that we empty our mind and think about ourselves. When we pray, it's that we come and we focus upon him. He teaches us everything. Why do I get baptized? He told me to. You see, if we're a Christian, we're listening to him. How am I going to build my marriage? Because I'm listening to him. I'm not just going to pick up a few tips off the church. Ultimately, I'm listening. How am I going to raise my son, my daughter? I'm listening to him. Being a Christian is we're following this teacher who demands our obedience. Like David, I want to challenge us to be persistent. Keep going despite the difficulty. Wasn't that word challenging this morning? I'll be honest, I think if you've been a Christian longer than a decade, we should have all put our hands up. We can feel like we've hit the wall. You keep running and running and, and you say, oh God, teach me again. I want to show regret for what I've done wrong. I want to listen to what you're going to say. I want to go where you're going to go. I want to show respect for you. This is surely why we have days of prayer and fasting. Right? You know, because what we're trying to say is actually, I want to hear from you. This is why we would encourage you as a church, spend time with God personally every day. Because what you're really trying to say is, you're my teacher. What, what are you saying? How can I hear from you? This is why we put so much emphasis on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not some optional extra. It's not like, oh, just the keenies do that. Because actually what we're trying to say is, go along to the meetup, hosting the person. Actually, we want to be those that are taught by you. Yeah, it's a bit like my kids, you know, saying, oh, why have I got to watch the TV? I, I want to hear what you're saying to me. You are my teacher. R.A. Torrey, he was an American pastor in the early 20th century, said this, be on the lookout for new orders from your king. Blessing lies in the direction of obedience to them. God's commands are but signboards that mark the road to present success and blessedness and to eternal glory. What he's trying to say is, like, I don't know how long you've been believing. I don't know if you're quite yet there. But actually, he's your teacher. Look to him what is he saying to you? And do it. Let's respond. Okay, I'll ask you a question. 
Will you humbly learn from him? Will I? The danger, I think, is that we live in a society with Google at our fingertips. You know what I'm saying? You'll be chatting about something, you think, oh, I'm going to just find that out. The danger is that we've been bombarded with information. We've become, uh, in fact, you know, so much information, information, information. But actually, are we really engaging? There's something I read about this week called ADT, Attention Deficit Trait. Apparently now as a society, we're doing longer hours, we're sleeping less, and yet we're becoming less productive. You see, we've confused wisdom with information. And so we've got more and more information, but we haven't necessarily become wiser. I believe true wisdom comes from encountering God. John Stott, he was a British preacher, he died recently, he said, at every stage of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is the greatest enemy and humility our greatest friend. I know that if you live in Ealing, you are bright, intelligent, and creative. That's why you want to live in a great place like this. So therefore, our barrier is really hard about will we humble ourselves before God. Even this week, even this year, 2016, are we genuinely saying, God, it's all about you? Are we saying, well, I've got some plans, I've got some ideas, I've got a five-year career path. I'm not going to say you shouldn't be doing all those things, but genuinely, are we coming like the psalmist, like David, saying, oh, God, lead me, teach me, show me, guide me, direct me? Or are we going to say, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Catch up, Lord, if you can. You see, David asked for true wisdom Because he didn't ask to know about God. He asked to know God. And that's a massive difference, isn't it? He wasn't saying, oh, God, teach me about you. He was saying, actually, guide me, give me the truth of you. I read about this uh, American writer and theologian, Friedrich, this week. It is not the objective proof of God's existence we want, but the experience of God's presence. That is the miracle we are really after. And that also, I think, is the miracle we really get. You see, I think that what David was saying is, oh God, I want you. It's almost like I need to know the way, the truth, and the life. How on earth do I do all of this? God, I want you. I don't just want to know about you. I want you. And I would like to say that's the lesson I want us to take from this. In the Psalms, we discover that God is our teacher. Now, we know Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That surely was the fulfillment of this whole thing. If you really want to know the way to go, come and ask. And I think that's the beauty that we can take away from this. He's our teacher. We don't have to do it on our own. Why on earth, if I had... Ed Sheeran, would I want to play the guitar? I say, oh, you just, you go for it. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'll, maybe I'll harmonize in the background. But you know what I'm saying? You just say, you do it. Why on earth do I want to try and make it all up when actually the great teacher who knows everything, who you can teach nothing to, who says, I will teach you. I mean, what a privilege. What an immense privilege that Jesus Christ will teach us 
and lead us. I've just got one thing that I want to challenge us about. Will you bow the knee to him? Now, that seems a funny thing. Obviously, am I asking you to kneel down? Well, maybe I am. Because sometimes when we do something physical, it reflects what's going on in the heart. And maybe for some of us this morning, and I know that we'll be moving on in a moment, you think, well, actually, I'm just going to kneel because what I'm really saying is you're the one in charge and I'm not. They always say, don't they, that when you're knighted by the queen, in case this happens to you, you're only supposed to go down on one knee, aren't you? Because actually, traditionally, you only ever got on two knees before God. It was total humility before God. Will I get down on both knees? Will I kneel before him and say, actually, you're the teacher. You show me the way. Now, for some of us, that's what it means to become a Christian. What we fundamentally said is, I've realized that actually, you know everything. I'm asking for you to lead me. And it may be you've never done that this morning. You think, golly, I need to do that. I'm sure Emmanuel and Nicky will explain how you can. But for some of us, if we're really honest, we probably need to get back on our knees again as Christians and say, actually, you are my teacher. And I've probably brought a little bit too much of my own wisdom into this. I've thought I could do this. I've read a paperback. I enjoy reading books. I'm not against that. But actually, fundamentally, we're trying to say, God, will you teach me? Would I have the heart of David? He says, show me, guide me, teach me, direct me. I want to look to you. Why don't we just take a moment to pause? Listen to what he's going to say to you. If you want to, you could kneel where you are right now. Fundamentally, it's you saying to God, actually, you are my teacher. I kneel before you. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Oh, Father. We do want to come together and kneel before you and say, you are the great teacher. Some of us, we just need to say sorry that we've let our own pride get in the way. We've almost let our own wisdom get in the way. We've almost decided our own thing that's got in the way. We kneel before you this morning and say, God, will you teach us today? We understand you're the God of revelation. You're the God of all knowledge. We do want to kneel before you. When we sign up for meetups, we're really saying we kneel before you, teach us, Father. How to build our marriages, how to raise our kids, how to work effectively, how to see your kingdom advance in this place. We kneel before you and say, Father, teach us. Teach us how to handle our emotions. Teach us how to forgive. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to forgive again. Teach us how to forgive again. Teach us how to worship you. Oh, Father, we recognize our need of you, our dependence upon you. 
we kneel before you and say, will you be our great teacher for your glory? Amen.